Can I rant for a sec? Please. Pay apps are way too public. What happened? Some rando hearted a payment from five months ago, and I realized people can see my entire history, who I'm paying, like full names. It's super weird. Yeah, it's weird. How are you paying your friends then? Apple Cash. It's all in messages. You can literally send cash like a text, and it stays between friends. Random people can't see it. Did you just pay me a dollar on Apple Cash? <laughs> Services are provided by Green Dot Bank. Member FDIC. Terms apply. When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste. Or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family, look for delicious Kroger brand products. Because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger. Fresh for everyone. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandsLots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Ridiculous Crime is a production of iHeartRadio. Hey, Elizabeth Dutton. Saren. You know what's ridiculous? I do. Do you want to share? No. Oh, okay. That's fine. All right. You, oh, you, are you convinced share. me. Yes, thank you. What do uh, aphids, anacondas, and zebra sharks have in common? They all have A's in their names. Done. That's ridiculous. Boom. Um, did Next you one. Know that Next question. Some Harder. Of, some of them are born pregnant. Wait, what? Yeah. Some Zebra fish and aphids are born pregnant? Yeah. Some aphids are born pregnant. But... Individual adults, right? They can give birth to up to nine offspring a day. Wait, so I'm, I'm just a little confused here. But they here. reproduce asexually. Oh, okay. So it wasn't like dad got mom and Parth- baby pregnant? Parthenogenesis. Well, it did remind me of my favorite Yahoo Answers oh, no. of all time. <laughs> yes. The question was, can your baby get pregnant if you have sex while pregnant? <laughs> and then that was the title. And then the question... The question underneath says, like, if you are pregnant with a baby girl and you have sex while you are pregnant, can the sperm go up in there and impregnate the baby? Go up in there? Go up in there. <laughs> and then someone God. calling themselves Hennessy yes. gave, what the, did Dr. Hennessy gave the best answer chosen by voters oh, right. and said, the baby can get pregnant only if it's female. If you suspect that your baby is pregnant, try not to have sex again. You run the risk of getting your baby's baby pregnant, and that can lead to complications like an infinite loop. <laughs> so that's kind of what goes on with Just aphids, this, I guess. Like a Russian nesting doll yeah, pregnancy? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, so 
That was all ridiculous. Oh, that is uncut ridiculousness. Thank you. Thank yeah. you. And Hennessy, thank you for clarifying. <laughs> thank you, Dr. Hennessy. <laughs> giving us all the answers. <laughs> That's a damn good one. Um, if, if you have a moment, I, I got a wild one for you. Yes, please. You, oh, you got a second? I, I can make time. Nice. For okay. you, I can do that. I'm just going to ask you, imagine that you're 20 years old. Right? Sure. Okay. Easy. Now, you live in Florida. Okay. Okay. And you decide it would be a good idea for you to fake your own kidnapping and extort $2 million in ransom from a Colombian cartel-connected gangster, right? (laughs) That's a great idea. And this man is also your father. Oh, wow. This is Ridiculous Crime, a podcast about absurd and outrageous capers, heists, and cons. It's always 99% murder-free and, Elizabeth, mm-hmm. 100% ridiculous. Nice. Okay, I promised you a story, Florida, You right? did, you made that promise. 1983, this is one year before the year that Orwell made famous. Right. Yeah, right? 1984. Okay, I'm right here. (laughs) So to put you back in time, I want you to just go over some major cultural touchstones of 1983. You ready? Ready. Okay, Wayback Machine starting now. Okay, Ray-Ban sunglasses. Ow. Michael Jackson's thriller dominates the charts. Ow, ow. The McDonald's Chicken McNugget debuts. Wow. Jane Fonda's Jazzercise is selling Buku VHS and Beta Max tapes on. That's right. Yeah, cassette tapes. <laughs> and their Return of the Jedi is dominating at the box office. Nice. Right? 1980. Can you feel the 83 just there. surging through you? I am straight up there. And when someone says 1983, does anything jump to mind? Anything leap to mind? Anything that you just have like, oh, when I think 1983, boom. Um, I I don't know. It, it it all sort of blurs together for me. The it's a hard one to 80s. separate out, to be quite honest, because yeah. it's not an election year, not an Olympic. I year. hadn't hit Olympic fever. Yeah, exactly. No yet. Mary Lou Retton no. racing around the culture. <laughs> no. well, I feel like I was listening to a lot of Duran Duran. Oh, okay, that could totally Most see likely. that. Yeah, the um, I think. The Smiths had their first album in 1983. Right. Uh, yeah, so there's some the cultural touchstones that were coming up for you mm-hmm. personally. Now, I mean, I was 46. Yeah, year. exactly. You were just a young 46, still eyeing the culture going, what's going to come next? Yeah, exactly. Now, Elizabeth, this also was the birth year of some of your favorite people. Oh, really? I, went, I looked it up. I checked to see the list. And I, just, I pulled out a couple of my favorites. You know, we're going to skip past the Aziz and Saris of the world, uh-huh. who was born in 1983. But uh-huh. we're also going to going to stick to the summer babies because that's when this story takes place okay. all right so june 19th macklemore was brought into the world as baby macklemore i know not one of your favorite people <laughs> the rapper macklemore oh yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. you do you do yeah know. like a scooter on a video <laughs> exactly i'm doing you're doing you can't the, see, the hands are the bouncing hands, this is yeah. good no. now um a month later after baby macklemore entered the world uh-huh. funny hammer guy Chris Hemsworth <gasps> was born. Funny hammer guy. Yeah, and one of your favorites, I yeah. know. Uh, he's, he's funny. <laughs> he's got a hammer. So there was, <laughs> let's see, also at the end of the summer, uh, Donald Glover was born. Okay. Who you actually do like, much like funny hammer guy, unlike, yeah. say, Macklemore. Now, <laughs> September 25th was Donald Glover's birthday. Good for him. Just putting that out there in Happy case you birthday. wanted to send a birthday card coming up fast. Happy birthday. Now, two weeks before Donald Glover enters the world, that's where our story takes place. Okay. You into this? Yes. Okay, 1983, Florida. Late summer. 
Ooh. Yeah, hot, humid, sticky. It's everything you don't want to be. Now, <laughs> it's, it's the kind of place where it feels like it may start raining anytime soon, or it's just gotten done raining. Yeah. There was an old joke I used to hear when I was a kid about Florida, which is like, if you don't like the weather in Florida, just stick around an hour. It'll change. <laughs> now, this is what you're experiencing as you are in South Florida, the Miami-Dade area. And the star of our tale that I would like to tell you about today is a man named David Hampton Butler Sr., David Hampton Butler Sr. Yeah, okay. there will be a test later, so please write that down. I'm writing it right now. now. Four years before our story begins, David Hampton Butler Sr., he is a, you know, drug smuggler, and mm. he's hanging out, gets busted in Alabama, and that becomes, like, who he is. But when we meet him in 1983, he's the vice president of a small charter airline called Transair. And uh, this is, you know... It's a step up for an ex-con. You don't expect him to be the VP of a private airline, right? And right. He's living well, not like, you know, high on the hog, but the guy has a $300,000 home in 1983, which is, you know, that's sizable and expensive, and he's doing well in life. Yeah. He's also got a garage full of several luxury cars, and he likes to keep a low profile. Does he have an embroidered pillow in his home that says, living well is the best revenge? <laughs> Nobody needs one. He does. <laughs> With, like, the gold tassels and yeah. stuff. So this guy, David Hampton Butler Sr., who appears to have gone legit, mm -hmm. he is doing what psychiatrists like to call a lie. He is living <laughs> a lie. He has not gone legit. That the, that's the clinical term. The clinical, yes. Keep up with me. It goes want, over my head yeah, a lot I'll of try not to use too much of the nomenclature. I'm a little slow. But yeah, yeah this one... He's also what criminologists would refer to as an active drug smuggler. As a bad guy. Yeah, so he also has one other secret. He is a high-level informant for the FBI. Oh, yeah. wow, he's okay. Just, he's hitting all the switches. He's, he's, he's just so... bouncing around. Now, his family doesn't know this. In particular, his 20-year-old son doesn't know this. Dave Jr. Dave Hampton Butler Jr., Okay. 20-year-old son. Now, this one little secret will go on to shape both of their futures. Mm -mm. Because I believe if his son did know that his father was a high-level FBI informant, he probably wouldn't think it was a good idea to fake his own kidnapping. <laughs> Otherwise, yeah. it's a great idea. It's a solid plan. But I'm saying is if your dad has buddies in the FBI, they've got the tools to catch you real quick. Yeah. Now, at the time of this kidnapping, his best friend is this judge's son who's just his ne'er-do-well. He also has a girlfriend. She's an 18-year-old who attends at a community college. She's also an exercise teacher. Her name is Carmen Carreno. And, uh, yeah, so he's got the ne'er-do-well judge's best friend, the jazzercise teacher as his girlfriend. <laughs> and together, these three amateur kidnappers come up with a plan to con and extort his father, the cocaine cartel gangster. <laughs> That These three so, amateurs. That is such a bad idea. It's a simple plan. <laughs> like, yeah, you know. They keep it down to brass tacks. It's yeah, exactly. like, well, we're not going to have a lot of adornments and embellishments. We're just going to do straight ransom notes, yeah. right? So David Butler Jr., this is their plan. He'll go missing on a Friday, have a nice long weekend, right. hang out with his girlfriend, you know, just normally do what they would do. They just, they're going to go enjoy a Florida weekend together while his friend, uh, Joe Hickey, he helps work out the uh, the threatening parts for his father, right? Okay. Because it's important that his father be terrified that he's gone. It can't just be that they go off on a lark. So they have this whole plan. On Friday, he'll go missing and then hide out for the weekend, lay low with a girlfriend. On Monday, they'll arrange for his return once they've properly scared his father throughout the weekend. Okay. Okay. Now his girlfriend, Carmen, she comes up with a plan. She'll type up ransom notes 
at the community college. They have typewriters there. That way they won't be traced back to her, won't be handwritten. Right. Mm, kind of smart, right? Yeah. Now, Joe Hickey, he helps uh, word these so they're maximally threatening. He actually has a little history with threatening people. He <laughs> faced a charge where he like, tried to get a woman to pay $500 to get a dog back or something. And so, yeah, he's like a whole, like I said, ne'er-do-well, right? Yeah. So he's like, I got this one. Here's what we got to do. Put in terrifying language so he believes that it's the cocaine smugglers who grabbed you. So he's working on making this terrifying ransom notes, right? So the first typewritten ransom note arrives at the Butler home on Friday. Right? Mm -hmm. Son's gone missing. The ransom note reads, We have finally taken revenge against you, Mr. Butler. We are now holding your son, David Jr. Right? Simple, <laughs> straightforward, right to the point. Right? And the note also includes a demand. They will insist on $2 million in small bills if you ever want to see your son ever again. Small bills. Right? Yeah. That's the best part. <laughs> it's all with this one. Stripper money. They're like, just go down. Crinkly ones. Yeah. I want fives and ones, and they got to be crinkly. If it ain't crinkly <laughs> and I can't smell sweat, I don't want it. Now, David Butler Sr., his son's grabbed. He knows he deals with bad men all the time right. for a living. He immediately begins to panic. His worst fears have been realized. His criminal business dealings have now not only put his life at risk, but he put his family's life at risk, yeah. right? So on Friday, he doesn't know what to do. He doesn't know, does he want to tell his wife? Does he, what, what can he, he can't call the cops. He doesn't know what to do, right? So he's like panicking, racking his mind, spends the whole night in fear. Saturday, new ransom note arrives. He's like, oh, okay. So he checks the ransom note. And this one, this one is more threatening. Thank you, Joe Hickey. So <laughs> oh, this one says, by now, you must know our threat is real. David is safe, yet time is running out. We will not stand for any setups or police involvement. If we are informed otherwise, your son will be killed without hesitation. Oh. Right? So it's ramping up. Yeah. Good job, Joe Hickey. <laughs> now, the father, David Butler Sr., he believes the Ramson notes are or could be legit. He's not exactly certain because they don't quite fit the pattern he would expect. But it's his son. So I would think at this point they'd be like sending a pinky or something. That Exactly. You know if he's dealing with real Colombian cartel, it's like, we got to ramp this up. But and it's not just going to be like, hey, It's, it's hard to cops. find a spare pinky to send. <laughs> exactly. So like if I were them, mm -hmm. if they went upstairs to the faculty lounge at this community college and they got me to come down and help them type it up, you know, okay, just proofread yes. it. Mm -hmm. I'd be like, here's what we do, you guys. Go get a piece of bologna, and mm -hmm. we'll say we cut off some of his rump meat, and this is it <laughs> as a proof. A slice of rump meat? Yeah. It'd be really good on rye? Yeah, exactly. I like this. You could have been good. See, I don't think you could be so criminal. How do you know criminal. I'm not, and oh. we just haven't found out about it yet? The look on my face right now, uh -huh. pure shock. I just, know, I know. Oh, Elizabeth, master criminal that you are. Yes. What would you do next? You've got the father terrified. Okay. Uh-huh. So and how we're do not you... sending rump meat, so. Oh, no, I'll flip it. What do you do as the father? Oh, as the father. How about that? I call some people I know and be like, Boom. I, I You're good at this. I'm telling you. you. These amateur criminals, they should have consulted with someone like you. Yeah. Because that's exactly what his father did. There it is. He goes right to his handlers at the FBI. And he's like, oh, guys, I got a problem. My son's been grabbed. <laughs> and the FBI is like, you're in luck. That's what we do. You're in so, luck. We don't care. <laughs> so they're like, we promise you we will find your son or we will try really hard. So the FBI... 30 minutes or it's free. <laughs> <laughs> they spring into action, right? They promise to find the kidnappers. Sunday, nothing has occurred yet. A new ransom note arrives. Oh, my gosh. At the butler home, right? It, this note now has instructions for what he's supposed to do to get his son back. The note tells him to follow instructions to a sidewalk cafe in Coconut Grove, Florida. So 
He does. He gets in his car, takes into one of his luxury cars, drives down to Coconut Grove. He finds this sidewalk cafe. He walks in. He follows a ransom note's instructions, and it says to check behind a poster on the wall. So he goes up. <laughs> he finds his poster on the wall, and there behind the poster is what? A second his note. Son? <laughs> <laughs> his son hanging up behind the poster. They flatten him out. <laughs> yeah, it's just like flat stand. <laughs> so this second note, it warns, quote, Every precaution has been taken to prevent any of your tricks. Boom. Okay. So these people apparently know him, right? These people is his son. His son knows his father well. He knows his father's up to all of his tricks, or at least he thinks he knows his father well. That's the key. Yeah. Now, as this weekend drags on, David Hampton Butler Sr. begins to suspect it may not be a rival Colombian cartel that kidnapped his son. It doesn't feel like their style. No. They, they wouldn't send all these cheeky messages, is your point. They would send a finger. They would do well, and something. Then can you imagine they had to go to this cafe and, like, slip the paper? Did yes. they know, like, one of the waiters, like, shh, don't tell anybody. Yeah, it's, it's for cool, a scavenger cool. hunt. Yeah. And then, like, slip it behind I'm from there. Florida State. It's fun. It's a frat thing. <laughs> so, yeah, that's not cartel behavior. No. It, it, yeah, the whole, like, sidewalk cafe. I mean, right there, I'm like, right going, there, you are not bingo. a member of a cocaine cartel. They're like, okay, go to this frozen yogurt shop. <laughs> It's the best fro-yo in Dig Coconut to the Grove. bottom of the M&M sprinkles. <laughs> Make sure to ask for the fun fatty. You'll find your son's pinky. Well, it turns out that his instincts are mostly right, as we will soon find out. After this short break, we'll be right back with more of the strange tale of David Hampton Butler Jr. versus David Hampton Butler Sr. Nice. rant for a sec please pay apps are way too public what happened some rando hearted a payment from five months ago and i realized people can see my entire history who i'm paying like full names it's super weird yeah it's weird how are you paying your friends then apple cash it's all in messages you can literally send cash like a text and it stays between friends random people can't see it did you just pay me a dollar on Apple Cash? <laughs> Services are provided by Green Dot Bank. Member FDIC. Terms apply. As you know, the world can be a dangerous and unpredictable place. With every crime I've studied, I've learned one thing. Your best line of defense is your vigilance and preparation. You don't want to worry. You just want peace of mind. That's why I recommend Simply Safe Home Security. For every ridiculous robbery and theft we talk about, it's pretty obvious the crimes could be avoided with a solid security system. A good home security system keeps people prepared and aware. Simply Safe is that system. It was named Best Home Security Systems 2024 by U.S. News and World Report. And it doesn't just protect your home from crime, it also alerts you to fire, floods, and other emergencies. They offer sensors and cameras backed by 24-7 professional monitoring for less than a dollar a day. There are no contracts, and there's a 60-day money-back guarantee. Get 20% off any new Simply Safe system when you sign up for Fast Protect Monitoring. Just visit simplysafe.com slash ridiculous crime. That's simplysafe.com slash ridiculous crime. There's no safe like Simply Safe. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. 
step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm gonna make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you wanna get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of the Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather, now at chumpacasino.com. Welcome to the family. VGW Group, no purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. See terms and conditions, 18 plus. So, Elizabeth, where were we? We were talking some uh, Dave versus Dave action. Yes, right. Dave's, we got the battle in Dave's. Dave Sr., Dave Jr., producer Dave jumped producer in. Dave? Yeah, do you have any comments on this? How's this Dave on Dave action for you? I mean, the thing is, you can't really bet for or against either Dave. I mean... <laughs> That's right. Comes out even. <laughs> you just, yeah, you just got to... I'm just rooting for Dave. I always root for Dave. Dave always wins. <laughs> <laughs> Dave's right. Now, David Hampton Butler Jr., missing. David Hampton Butler Sr., panicked, but has the FBI on his side, so he's feeling a little bit of a good position, and he's kind of certain this is a little hinky and that maybe his son is not really in danger. Yeah. That's where we're at. Okay. So, being an FBI informant, he's feeling, you know, these tricks don't quite play, and he's, uh, you know, curious. But at the same time, it's his son. He's got to still care about what's going to happen to his son. So if he's wrong, even if 10% chance that it could be actual cartel, he's got to play that 10% right. chance, right? Yeah. But his FBI contacts, they also have their doubts. So it's getting lower, more like a 5% chance, right? <laughs> By Monday, the FBI agents come to the conclusion that there are no true kidnappers involved in this. They've looked over all the materials. They've read it. They're like, these are amateurs. I don't know what's going on here. Do you have any personal contacts? Do you owe anybody money? Who would be trying to do this to you? Dave Hampton Butler Sr. racks his mind. He cannot think of anybody he owes money to, anybody personal who would be doing this to him. It's got to be one of his criminal contacts. Mm -hmm. If somebody was doing this to you, would you have a long list of people you would guess? You, Dave, <laughs> Elliot the intern. Um, I don't really, I would not have a long right? list. Right, it's difficult to come up with a list of enemies for the average person. Right. Now, yeah. if you're an FBI informant, you have a, a little longer. bit longer list. Right? Yeah, and so, if you're a drug dealer, maybe a little exactly. bit longer. Exactly, double your length. Right. So he's got a list he's kind of creating, like, uh, and he's crossing out names. He can't figure it out. Luckily for him, Monday night, he gets a call from the kidnappers. Oh. First time they've actually spoken with him. So now he's like, oh, I guess they are legit. They tell the worried father, if you pay the ransom, your boy will be returned the following day. So he's like, all right, well, I, I got to play the 5% chance that these people are legit. Yeah. He's instructed to bring 20 bags of cash. Once again, all small bills, totaling $2 million <laughs> and drive out to a remote location for this exchange. David Hampton Butler Sr., he listens to all the instructions. He's like, okay, bet. And he does as he's instructed. Wait, so he's got that kind of cash? He's a drug smuggler. So, oh, yeah, yeah, he's, okay. got, he's got the $2 million sitting around. <laughs> he went out to the deep freezer in the yeah, garage. Exactly. The only hard part was making sure it was small bills. He's like, I got to go down and find he, a, he broke a lot. He had to go around breaking them at 7-Elevens. And strip the clubs. He was going down to yes. strip clubs and like when the girls were walking out. How was your shift? <laughs> Did you make a couple thou? <laughs> so after he's in done gathering up all his cash, putting it in like Ziploc bags of 20 Ziploc bags, all with little cash. He does as he's instructed and he drives out to this remote location. Now he has to go down a two lane highway from basically Tampa to Miami that runs through the Everglades. Mm -hmm. And this is like, there's nothing on this highway. It's just the Everglades, it's just swamp, right? So he's like, I don't know where I'm going to possibly meet a person out here. 
Elizabeth, you ever been to the Florida Everglades? No. Do you know what I'm talking about at all? You've seen pictures? Kind of, yeah. So imagine a road, a two-lane, like a southern highway, a little grass strip on either side. And then as soon as the grass strip ends, it's just swamp. It's just swamp, Immediately yeah. cypress trees, like an alligator could crawl out onto the road. Right. right? That's where he's driving by himself with all these $2 million wow. in cash. So Elizabeth, I'd like you to close your eyes and picture it. My eyes are closed. Okay. It's a sweltering Monday night in Florida. It's the kind of humid night that makes your clothes stick to your skin. You can hear the air vibrating with the heat and the bugs. You're alone, standing on the side of a two-lane rural highway. Hitchhiking. It's very 1983. That's what I do. Yeah, you know, we got the short shorts on. Of course. So far, it's been a long, hot night. A few cars have passed. None have stopped for you. And the mosquitoes, they won't leave you alone. Finally, out past the curtain of cypress trees and the thick swamp rushes, you spy headlights approaching in the dark distance. Maybe this will be the car that stops. You hope. You say a small prayer. You need to get out of this night. The mosquitoes are pretty much feeding on you, and the sweat is driving you mad. So the car, it slows down. Maybe a small hope is being answered. It's a Mercedes. It pulls to a stop in the loose gravel right next to you. It starts to idle. The passenger window slides down. This middle-aged white man, he's at the wheel. He turns and looks at you. His face is really worried. It's kind of actually scary. He says, do you know where the Trail Indian Baptist Church is? And you're like, uh... Now, before the truth can escape your lips, which is, no, you do not, mm -hmm. a lie leaps from your lips, and you okay. say, yes, yes, I do. If you give me a ride, I'll show you where it is. I'm going that way. <laughs> now, you're from California. You don't know Florida at all. No. You're 100% what psychiatrists call lying. I am covered in mosquitoes. Yes. I'm getting, like, anaphylactic at this point. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, whatever. Yeah, I know where everything is. Let me in the car. I'll, I'll personally build the church. I, Let's go. I built the globe. Let me in here. Well, it's like the Irish say, a bum steer is better than no steer at all. There you go. So you give him the bum steer and send him on the road, but you also hop in the car with him. So he's like, yeah, get in. You're like, all right, cool. And you immediately notice when you get in that there are at least 15 bags of cash in the back seat. I'm like, well, this dude's driving around with bags of cash. Did he just rob a strip club? Now, this car idea maybe wasn't such a good idea for you, but you're in it, and he floors it. So now you're on this rural highway tearing down in a Mercedes, and this guy with the loose cash in the back, and he's got wild eyes, and you're like, I need to make better choices with my life. Yeah, totally, but... <laughs> Hear me out. Okay. I'd rather see bags of cash in the back than mm -hmm. see like an abduction kit of like yeah, duct tape and rope. a hammer and <laughs> garbage bags. And he's just, you know, that's, uh, so I look around, I see the cash. I'm like, this I could probably handle. Maybe he's a legitimate businessman. Yeah. Maybe he won't notice if I just put one into my back pocket. <laughs> I like your thoughts. Yeah. So this middle-aged man, frantic eyes behind the wheel, he turns to you after a few miles. He says, is the church this way or back the other way? And you're like, ah, now you got a 50-50 chance. What do you tell him? Well, I'm trying to go straight, right? Mm -hmm. Oh, it is down the road a piece. We will just keep going. It's exactly what you say. You lie your sweet face off. Got it. He buys it. And now you're starting to wonder, if you get to the church, can you make a run for it? Because this guy is really making you nervous. Right? Oh, yeah, I can. And then, oh, what luck, you spy a sign. There it is, you claim. It's the Trail Indian Independent Baptist Church. I was right. Yes, totally right. 50-50 chance, you won. <laughs> he barely touches the brakes. The car slides into the gravel of the church parking lot. Luckily, it's just before midnight. There's nobody in there. Yeah. He then hops out of the car just as it stops, runs over to a payphone by the church, and you then see that he doesn't use the payphone. He just stands there waiting. And you're like, this is really odd. Does he not know the number to call? Is he nervous to call the person? Is he calling his wife? What's going on here, right? Then all of a sudden, the phone rings. You're like, oh, he was waiting for the call. Right. The money in the back seat's all starting to put together. You're like, huh. 
Now you're sitting there alone in the Mercedes with the cash. And you're like, did he leave the keys? He did not leave the keys. So you're having to sit there and you're in this parking lot. Every glade swamps all around you. As I told you, it looks like an alligator could climb out of the swamp at any time. You don't really want to get out of the car. So you're like, what the do I do? You know now, what I do? What do you do? I grab a bag of cash. <laughs> <laughs> Every plan starts and with And then this. I really quietly get out of the car and I tiptoe around the back and I mm-hmm. break in the back of the church. Ooh, Sanctuary. Like yes, the church in the wild. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and then I hide from him. This church, it turns out, belongs to the Miccosukee and Seminole tribes who live in the area. It's super rural. This is like, there's nobody around there, but they have a little community, right? So... This church, as all churches or most churches are, is open. You're like hoping that maybe, you know, I could spend the night here, right? And you're like, huh. But right as you're kicking over all these plants in your head, you see the driver screaming into the phone. Go where? Go where? I'm not going out into the swamp in the middle of the night. You have to be kidding me. You're like, I don't know what's going on here. Silence. Total silence again. Uh-oh. He listens. Then all of a sudden, more shouting. Yes, I have the cash. Do you have my son? You're like, oh, snap. Yeah. You're at a ransom exchange. You don't know (laughs) what to do. Then you you hear the driver shout into the phone. Well, then you can keep him. And he hangs up. (laughs) Oh, that didn't go well. No. So he slams the car door shut, gets back in with you. You call me turn. Everything okay? (laughs) And he's like, I'm going home. You need a ride? You're like, uh, you look at him, you look at the church, you look at him, you look at the church. You're like, I'll just, I'll stay here. So you get out of the car, you walk over the church. Luckily, you're right. The doors are open. You spend the night in the church. The Mercedes pulls away and you're like, that was one of the weirdest nights of my life. I've got a great story going forward though. Oh, totally. You you were going to have one hell of a TikTok to tell, right? (laughs) So... As you're sitting there at the church, you spend the night, you sleep in a pew, you wake up in the morning, you go outside, the sun is there to greet you, and you walk out, and there's a cop car. And you're like, what the? And it's a Mukasucky Seminole tribal police officer. It's got a cruiser. And in the back is this kid, a white kid, sweaty face, mosquito bites all over. He looks like he slept in a swamp because he did. (laughs) You're like, I bet that's the kid. Yeah. And you are 100% right. Meet David Hampton Butler Jr. Dave Jr. So it turns out you just saw David Hampton Butler Jr. right at the moment when he gets rescued from his botched self-kidnapping. Oh, wait, he was actually at this. Oh, boy. So on Friday, he'd kidnapped himself. Here's okay. what had happened was... (laughs) He spent the weekend driving around town with his jazzercise instructor girlfriend. Uh-huh. They like, you know, they're calling Joe Hickey. You got the new ransom note ready? We're ready to go type it. They go over to community college, type it up. They're doing <laughs> their bit, right? Everything's going like a bad teen movie starring, I don't know, like a pre-famed Nicolas Cage. Uh-huh. And this bad teen movie comes to its culmination on Monday when they decide, okay, it's time to get paid. Now, Joe Hickey's looking at about a 30 grand score. That's his cut of this. And okay. he's willing to do all this stuff. Wait. Two million and he's going to take... It's only doing 30 grand. Oh, I Joe told you, ne'er do well, right? <laughs> so he picks the church. He's like, I know this rural out-of-the-way spot. He lines up everything. He drives David Hampton Butler Jr. out to the church, goes, get out, drops him off in the swamp and says, we'll get your father to come out here. When you see him drop off the money, walk out of the swamp and greet him like, dad, it's me. Like, Bet. So it's me, Marty. <laughs> <laughs> he makes him hang out in the swamp there for 26 hours. And remember, you saw the dad drive away. The dad was like, no, I ain't going into, I'm not following these instructions anymore. That 
100%, I don't believe. You don't really have my son or you are my son. I don't care. I'm out of here. Right. So after he realizes his dad is not coming to save him, Aww. he has to walk out of the swamp. He walks out of the swamp all like mosquito bitten and sweaty and, and barely surviving all the venomous creatures that live in the swamp. And the first thing he sees is a cop who pulls him over and they go, hey, what are you doing out here? Because there's nobody out there. And he's right. like, oh, yeah, I got grabbed by these Spanish-speaking gentlemen. And the cops are like, uh-huh. mm. now they're they're native cops, so they don't go for the racist lies. Yeah, exactly. like, we don't believe you, son. So they keep questioning him for three hours. He's like, yeah, there's these Spanish speaking gentlemen who took me. And they're like, okay, well, well what did they say? And they're like, he's like, I don't know, Spanish and stuff. I don't speak that. You know, so uh-huh. they don't buy it. They keep after him. Eventually, he's like, okay, I did it myself. I kidnapped myself. He totally comes clean. He admits to the cops that he, his girlfriend, Joe Hickey, they all got together and they were trying to extort his dad but it didn't happen so it's fine no crime <laughs> the cops were like no that's a crime yeah. so we're gonna call the fbi because that's kidnapping and Uh-oh. even if you kidnapped yourself that's still kidnapping he's like his boss <laughs> so they call his dad's boss which is embarrassing yeah. to say the least can you imagine if your mom worked for the fbi and she got that call like hey by the way <laughs> by the elizabeth way. <laughs> right so david hampton butler jr uh Before we get back to David Hampton Butler Jr. having to come correct with his father once he figures this out, when you were a kid, do you ever have to wait for your parents and like they didn't come? Yes. And like you're sitting, yeah, you my did? grandma, your grandma, how so? Like, well, she was supposed to pick us up from school, and a lot of times she would get distracted doing mm-hmm. stuff. And like one time, like sometimes it'd be like she was just in the supermarket for. She loved going to the supermarket and staying for like three hours. <laughs> I like you say she loved going. To she, she did. <laughs> she loved poetry that. To it. That was her jam. And then. One time we were there, and I like to remember it where it was raining, but I don't know if it really was raining. Mm-hmm. But in my memory, it was <laughs> Make raining. Make it more dramatic. I like yeah, that. my brother and I were sitting there all rain-soaked, and she didn't show up. And in my, like, I'm like, it was like, what, 8 o'clock? It was probably, you know, like, she was probably like an hour late, mm-hmm. not like six hours late. Um and uh, it turned out that she got stuck in a parking lot of a store because there was a car accident blocking the exit. Mm-hmm. So she was just stuck there. What can I do? And she didn't have a cell phone at so the time. So she probably just went back into the store. Like, oh, I gotta keep shop. shopping. <laughs> I'm going to go shop some more. <laughs> exactly. This gives me some so more I time. So I do. I know that. And this is I'm t- this is hitting a little close to home, Sarah. Yeah. And also, I think you may need to amplify that to like, I don't know, by a thousand percent. Because like, imagine if you kidnapped yourself and your dad's like, I don't know, keep them. Yeah, oh, <laughs> that's, that's, that's worse than sitting in the rain. <laughs> so the Florida cops, as I told you, they call the FBI and the FBI sends out Agent David Boner to work the case. I'm sorry, who? <laughs> Agent David Boner, because they How many Davids are involved in this? We another Dave at this. So. They're just going alphabetically. <laughs> like, send out David. Boner. Well, He's, Anderson's busy. Boner. 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 You're up. Dave Anderson? No. Dave Boner? Go on. So it doesn't take long for the agents to break the case. David Hampton Butler Jr. confesses to it all. He gives up everyone. And then, they, of course, they turn him loose on the justice system. And the prosecutors for the, the uh, federal courts, they go after him. They confront him. He agrees to a plea deal. And then basically gives up everybody. His girlfriend does the same thing. So this 18-year-old jazzercise instructor, Carmen, <laughs> she confesses to typing up the ransom letters. And her parents have to put up their house to bail her oh, out. Oh, Speaking of the ransom letters, though, mm-hmm. can I just tell you that I am positive that the FBI seizing the typewriters at the community college is like the most exciting thing that's ever <laughs> happened there. And they still talk about it. They came in. They had their jackets as the blues and twos coming in. <laughs> So David Butler Jr., because he you know makes a plea deal, he quickly goes to arraignment and 
Now, I want you to picture this just lightly. Okay. His arraignment <laughs> hearing, he goes and he, the judge is there on the bench and he tells the judge, yes, well, you know, I have to understand our, uh, I'm a businessman and uh, a very important guy and I don't know this, all this nonsense about fake kidnapping. It was a more of a deal. Da, da, and the judge is like, excuse me, you're a, a businessman? How is this a business? He's like, well, you know, I've recently invested $30,000 in a pasta and gelato factory. Wait. <laughs> the judge, judge is like, excuse me now, a, a what now? He's like, I'm not a businessman. I'm a business. Man, comma man. <laughs> so the, the guys, like, the judge is like, uh, I'm sorry. Did you say you, you have an Italian ice cream factory? And he's like, <laughs> That is your right, Your Honor. And the judge is like, Well, where did you get this thirty thousand dollars you invested? And David Butler Jr. He uh, quickly confers with his lawyer, and then he goes back to the judge. He says, well, I'd like to not answer that question at this moment, Your Honor. Oh <laughs> my. Now I, I want the. I Wait, want you he to used his, his ill-gotten gains for a gelato, <laughs> gelato factory, and he's wearing. By the way, for his arraignment hearing, he's wearing a T-shirt. The T-shirt says, "Trust me." <laughs> what in the what? <laughs> yeah. Now his. I partner, wish he was wearing one of those tuxedo T-shirts. That would be amazing. Now his partner in crime, Joe Hickey, oh, the yeah. son of a judge, he tries to fight the case and he decides to go on trial. He's like, oh, "Let's take it to trial. I know how to beat the system." Oh, you're kidding! But he doesn't count on boyfriend and girlfriend David Hampton Butler Jr. and Carmen Carreno. They both agree to testify against Joe Hickey, <laughs> <laughs> and they say it was, just, it was his idea. So, it's double cross <laughs> junction over here, where they're like, "You're gonna get thirty grand. You're not getting a big cut." And keep in mind, they're all facing twenty five years to life for this. This well, is like sure a they're gonna testify. Crime. So they course, you know, they roll over like, yeah, he, he, it was his idea. He worded the ransom letters. Carmen's like, I just typed. I don't even know. This is, you know, <laughs> the, 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 the David Hampton Butler's like, yeah, he picked the exchange site. He dropped me off. I mean, I mean it was, it was all him. And everyone's like, oh, and now Joe Hickey's like, you mother. But he sits there, grins and bears it. And after the, after everything he's tried and he's convicted. So both Butler Jr. and Hickey though, get lucky. And they are only sentenced to one year in federal prison. Huh? Now, if you can believe it, this is not the end of this story. Get oh. We're back after these ads. Does it Elizabeth. involve gelato? I'd like to tell you the other side of the story. Yeah. The David Hampton Butler senior <gasps> side of the story. Oh. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought... In that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm gonna make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you wanna get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of The Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play The Godfather now at ChompaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah! 
Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. There's a lot happening these days. But I have just the thing to get you up to speed on what matters without taking too much of your time. The 7 from the Washington Post is a podcast that gives you the seven most important and interesting stories, and we always try to save room for something fun. You get it all in about seven minutes or less. I'm Hannah Jewell. I'll get you caught up with The 7 every weekday. So follow The 7 right now. Elizabeth, last we left, Agent David Boner was trying to get to the bottom <laughs> of the case. We then went to trial. Joe mm-hmm. Hickey made the regrettable decision to take it to trial. Then David Hampton Butler Jr. and Carmen Crano flipped on him, and everybody ended up going to jail. What fourth grader wrote this screenplay? <laughs> it's amazing, Boner right? and Hickey, and then the hubba hubba Carmen <laughs> exactly. teaching aerobics it was a 12 year old fever dream it's like i'm gonna kidnap myself and i'm gonna get two million dollars from my dad and my jazzercise girlfriend and i are gonna we're gonna go take that money to sonic and my my friend joe hickey (laughs) so dave hampton butler jr when he decided to kidnap himself this was august 1983 Mm -hmm. now meanwhile his dad david hampton butler senior he had his own legal troubles because on march 2nd 1983 his father got busted moving pounds of cocaine Wait, so earlier that year? That same year, months earlier. He, uh, it was coke that his bosses at the FBI knew nothing about. <laughs> Oops. And his dad was facing a coke bus when his son decided to fake his own kidnapping. So he had oh. real legal problems. So he's moonlighting. And, and this is why he, you, you get that he believed the kidnapping, is that well, he was facing yeah. a coke bus and he's an informant. So he's figuring that the cartel has figured this out and they're yeah. just trying to get back at him. That, thus, it took him a while to go, you know what, this is, this is hanky. Now, the deal was, from 1982 to 1984, David Hampton Butler Sr. worked for the FBI as an undercover informant, right? Now, he did all sorts of drug deals. They had him traveling internationally. And the FBI is only supposed to be domestic. The yeah. CIA is the one that's international, yeah, right? Yeah. But the FBI is like, yeah, go down to Colombia. Go down, do whatever you need. We'll move, just, move them goofballs. Yeah, you're going to Jamaica? We'll get you the tickets. <laughs> get your hair braided. Have fun. <laughs> go to, we'll, we'll put you up at sandals. Yeah, you'll <laughs> love it. Elizabeth recommends it to everyone. <laughs> so he's, I mean, talking the Bahamas, South America, everywhere he's going, right? But he's also working domestically. They have him flying out to Arkansas for drug deals Ooh. and to California for drug Yeah, to <laughs> fabulous Arkansas. And uh, so the the FBI's got him, you know, turning out drugs everywhere, right? He's got this Miami supervisor who's super pleased with him because according to his supervisor who testifies that to this, David Butler Sr., quote, helped the FBI recover more than 80 million worth of drugs, boats, vehicles, and planes. $80 million in 1983. So that's some serious coin, right? Yeah. Now, his supervisor would also testify that, quote, David Butler was no doubt the top informant the FBI had operating in South Florida during the early part of 1983. That's a big statement. Exactly. You know, this yeah. is cocaine cowboy era. So what's a little light drug smuggling on the side? Exactly. It, what's 22 <laughs> pounds of cocaine here or there between friends? Now... Just to kind of put some of these numbers in perspective of what he was moving, I want to tell you about there was a thousand pound pot bust Mm -hmm. that he was in charge of that coincidentally was a load seized in Arkansas. He was moving pounds. Wow. So they they seized this load and then he flew it in on a small private plane. Mm -hmm. The FBI seizes it. They then uh, make him 
the hero of the moment. He's done this huge thousand pound pot bust, right? So this is amazing. FBI agent Russell Duggar, he says in his court testimony, quote, Butler set the load up. He renegotiated with the smugglers involved and actually flew the load in for the government, right? So he's like a drug smuggler for the U.S. government. <laughs> now, Elizabeth, I'd like you to go to close your eyes for a rare second. <gasps> Picture it. My eyes are closed. Okay, you're in Arkansas. Well, Sorry about that. Don't apologize. <laughs> no, I love Arkansas, actually. So you're in the middle we of nowhere. Remember, we love everywhere. Yeah, well, no, we've been in Arkansas. Remember together, we were in that town where the they put us off the Palace, 40. Palestine, Palestine Arkansas. Arkansas. Yeah. yeah, we were driving and across country. Mm-hmm. There was an accident. Google Maps rerouted us. Yeah. And we and, got to hang out in that very interesting town of Palestine. And there, well, yeah, and it was like all the people in town brought, they brought out lawn chairs. Yeah, to watch the traffic. To watch the traffic go through and town. And then there was that the red, kid with the bullwhip. The redheaded boy with a bullwhip. Yeah. Just I like started, showing off for mm-hmm. everybody. <laughs> He's whipping the tree. He wanted people to, I got a crowd. Hey, mom, I got a crowd. It going. was so Harmony Corinne. Oh, my like, God. Yeah. Do you remember I took a picture of him and he turned and stared right at us? And yeah. like, there's no way he could have heard the click because no. the windows were up. And I was like, that kid's got it. Yeah. I was worried terrifying. about him. So that place, okay. Arkansas. So, yeah. So, middle of the night, you're standing what looks to be an enormous grass field. Mm-hmm. A landing strip has been mowed down. This makeshift airstrip is filled with road flares, because I know you love road flares. Oh, God, do it. Now, this small plane approaches the landing strip, descending from the night sky. The pilot is a young man, a friend of David Hampton Butler Sr., a total pro pilot who puts the plane down on the grass field airstrip like he's a combat air veteran, or better yet, a drug smuggling pilot. (laughs) And this pilot, who David Hampton Butler Sr. has worked with numerous times, is now officially a drug smuggler, thanks to him, because he's doing his first big load for the government. So they now know who he is. He'll show up later on in the stories, but for now... He's this pilot. And David Hampton Butler Sr., he's waiting at a truck, and with him are two undercover FBI agents. But you can't tell that from where you are standing in the field. They just look like two guys. Now, Mm -hmm. the truck meets the small plane. It pulls onto the landing strip, and you watch as they offload bales of pot onto this truck. And they load it, and it takes them a little while because it's it's like uh, probably about a 1,000 pounds of pot, right? Mm -hmm. You walk out in the field, and you ask them, hey, you mind if I catch a ride? And everyone's like, why not? what are you doing in this field? (laughs) The agents are totally thrown, but David Hampton Butler Sr., he recognizes you, and he's like, yeah, cool, whatever, man, come on. Because I got a bullwhip. Yeah, and also he had so much fun with you last time, and you were really chill when he had the whole thing with his (laughs) son. So David Hampton Butler Sr. tells you, yeah, hop in back with the pot. And you're like, cool, bet. So you hop in the back with the pot. Not the first time I've been told that. <laughs> and you, the pot bales, David Hampton Butler Sr., and the two undercover FBI agents, you all drive across multiple states until you reach a toll and fuel plaza located on the Florida Turnpike. Am I in the back of the truck? The, the whole, whole time. Is this a pickup it's truck? It's a pickup truck. It's dusty. Do but I have at least like a bandana? You got like a one of them Mexican blankets that's on the side of the road. Okay. It's keeping you warm. You're like doing like the real American like drug wow. run. Now, That's so good. Yeah, it's awesome. It's cross-country drug <laughs> run. <laughs> so you're, doing, you're doing great, by the way. Thank you so much. So you're back in Florida, and you thank them for the ride. You kept the pot bales from blowing out. Not that they would. <laughs> yeah, did I have to, like, lay flat on top <laughs> of them, them and down. they go over a bump, and we all fly up and then land? <laughs> you have to grab the blue tarp again, pull it back down. <laughs> so you tell them, look, I'll find a new ride from here. I'm good. I'm almost home. They're like, all right, cool. David but- Hampton Butler Sr. is, like, points at you. I'm stuck because I'm still imagining, like, green bales of hay. <laughs> Or they're in like that, like um, coffee sack. Oh but yeah, it's the stamped uh-huh. pot. <laughs> it says 100% pot. <laughs> Pre doobie. Colombian pot. <laughs> 
So as you're standing there and you're getting ready to say goodbye to your man, David Hampton Butler Sr., and you're like, hey, it's been such a time. I can't believe we're back in Florida together. This is so wild. He's like, yeah, maybe next time. And I'm all, call me. (laughs) These two people walk up. They can tell from their accents they're not uh, necessarily English speakers. Turns out that they're a Cuban and a Colombian, which you very quickly parse from the accents. And they're like, yeah, hey, and they know David Hampton Butler Sr. You're like, oh, I will leave you to do what you guys got to do. noping out of there (laughs) with a quickness. Before any, like, bags of cash get brought up. There's just, like, a swirl of dust where I was standing. (laughs) (laughs) So, and now as you are, you know, walking across the toll and fuel plaza, you watch the Cuban and Colombian. They briefly talk with the undercover FBI agents. They get out of the truck. The Colombian and the Cuban get in the truck, and they drive away. You're like, that's kind of odd. But what you don't know is that the FBI has rigged the truck. Oh. They put in a kill switch so that the truck's engine will suddenly cut out whenever they hit a button. So the agents go get in their car. They follow from a discreet distance, miles down the road, not in a place that you can see. They hit the kill switch. The truck dies. Engine fades away. The car pulls off on the side of the road, on the side of the highway, no less. Uh Florida Highway Patrol pulls up because they've been told this is going to happen. They swoop in, but they act like, oh, sir, are you having trouble with your vehicle? What is this in the back? Is this... Hey, and they're like, (laughs) no, 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 say. So, turns out, not hey. The Florida Highway Patrol, they quickly figured this out. They arrest the guys, and all of this is done. This whole theater of arrest, the multiple state lines being crossed, all that was to throw off the scent of the FBI's snitch, David Hampton Butler Sr., because he's so good. They don't want to lose their number one informant. Yeah. This is just one example from the many tales of David Hampton Butler Sr. and his work for the FBI. I once wanted you to keep that in mind because he was doing this, and each time he did these things, he was putting his life at risk. Yeah. But what he didn't know is he's also, if he was honest with himself, he's putting his family's life at risk. That's also true, and that's something that they don't seem to think about. Well, when that's they're... why he was so worried about his son being kidnapped, but yeah. he didn't really think about it until his son was gone. Once he got yeah. ganked, then all of a sudden everything became real for him, right? And it's like, he's not moving hay, he's moving hay. hay. <laughs> <laughs> and is it worth it? He has to ask himself. Oh, yeah. and also, I haven't told you this, but uh, David Hampton Butler Sr., he wasn't just moving drugs. He wasn't just a drug trafficker. He was also working in organized crime, and he was working in international terrorism. So the FBI had him working in all of these fields, all places where people will kill you for what you know. Yeah. So he's in South America, he's in Colombia, and he works out that there is this intersection between drug trafficking and international terrorist funding. And so this is the early 80s. Surprise! So he basically stumbles upon Iran-Contra on his own. (laughs) He's like, the FBI is like, yes, he gave us, quote, significant information in this regard. So now think about how many people may want this guy to be killed, right? Yeah, yeah. So this is all this stuff that the Bureau is not helping him with, but you can see why they may be a little guilty about, oh, your son got grabbed? We'll We'll see if we can help get him back, Right. right? So the other thing the FBI doesn't know is that David Hampton Butler Sr. has a whole other identity. Uh, Like a whole person. Like Like a Chris Gaines type thing? Yeah, his name is John Craig Beasy of Chicago, Illinois. Beasy. (laughs) Beasy. Hey, Beasy. What? Yeah, so John Craig Beasy, he has a driver's license, a social security card. He has a birth certificate. He has the complete alias, right? Does he have another family? No. Okay. But he uses this for when he travels internationally. Uh So on March 2nd, 1983, he decides, I'm going to try this domestically. So he goes out and he is John Craig Beasy of Chicago, Illinois for a 22-pound cocaine. Deal. And J- JCBZ. <laughs> it doesn't go well for JCBZ. 
the six million dollar deal goes south, and that's about I think eighteen million dollars today. So mm-hmm. it's some big money. Yeah. The question is: Is was David Hampton Butler Sr. working with the FBI at the time of the twenty-two pound cocaine deal or not? Was this a freelance gig? Was this professional? Where did this fall in? Right. Yeah. So the night he gets busted, he's in Greenville, South Carolina, and the mm-hmm. city cops happen to arrest the people he gave the drugs to. They catch them. These guys are like, oh, no, we got this from these guys at Howard Johnson. They tell them the room number. <laughs> what? <laughs> so the cops drive out to Howard Johnson's, and they find, like, knock on the door. David's like, oh, is it my macaroni and cheese? He opens it up, and it is not room service. It is the local cops. And then they arrest him for being a cocaine smuggler. Oh. So what does he do? He tells the cops, hey, man, it's cool. I'm with the FBI. Holy sure. So they're like, oh, really? Do you have any identification? He's like, yeah, here you go. John Craig Beasy. They're like, okay, John Craig Beasy. So they call up the FBI in Miami, Florida. They're like, hey, we got this guy here, John Craig Beasy. They're like, who? He's like, "Uh, David Hampton Butler Sr. Like, oh, yeah, yeah, we know him. They're like, oh, okay. Well, we just busted him on a 22-pound cocaine deal here in South Carolina. And the FBI in Miami is like, he did what now? <laughs> with with the cocaine, you say? Like, yeah, yeah. His like, supervisor gets on the phone. He's like, what was he doing in South Carolina with the cocaine deal? Miami FBI, they have no answers for why he's there. Supervisor is like, I didn't tell him. To, I, I don't have anything on my schedule. Mm-hmm. Yeah, this is news to me, right? So David Hampton Butler Sr., he gets charged for the cocaine distribution, possession. He's now looking at a new 25 years behind bars. So, lucky for him, in July, his trial gets postponed because the FBI needs to figure out, is this legit? Is this not legit? So, they're going to try to figure out, did anybody give this guy the cover on this? Now, the next month, David Hampton Butler Jr. decides to kidnap himself. Oh, (laughs) right in In the the middle middle of all this. This is the last thing we need, Dave Jr. (laughs) Darn it, Dave. So after his son's fake kidnapping gets sorted out and his son gets arrested, David Hampton Butler Sr. goes back on trial for his cocaine bust. So now (laughs) the trial gets kicked back up and we kick over to the spring of 1984 and he goes back to Greenville, South Carolina. He's in a courtroom and during his trial, David Hampton Butler Sr. attempts to portray himself as this undercover FBI informant. He goes over all the busts he's done, the traveling internationally. He has different agents coming through. His supervisor gives testimony. Yeah, this guy's amazing. And the prosecution, meanwhile, focuses on the fact that the Miami FBI never asked him to fly to South Carolina, did not know he was there, and this is apparently a freelance night move. Uh Regardless of what he had done, this and one in particular. And so the jury is like following along with this. And then there is the damning witness who testifies that David Hampton Butler Sr. hadn't just been the pilot looking to make a few hundred bucks on this deal. He'd been there when the Colombians met with their contacts in Florida to arrange the whole deal. Uh. So he's like... Oh, yeah, there's that, right? Yeah. So the pilot who he had, had hired to fly into Arkansas, this pilot was involved in this one. He eventually flips on him. He's like, yeah, yeah, he brought me in on this. It's not legit. So he goes down, right? Between all of this and the handlers at Miami FBI, he has nobody to cover his back. So what does David Hampton Butler Sr. do once he is found guilty? I don't know. Well, he's sentenced to 25 years for cocaine possession. He's got he's looking at 15 years for conspiracy charges. And what did his son say? Does he flip on somebody? I don't know. Well, his son warned him when he kidnapped himself, none of your old tricks. Yeah. So David Hampton Butler Sr. immediately goes to his book of tricks and starts looking for a way out. (laughs) So on April 2nd, 1985 now, the U.S. Court of Appeals affirms his conviction after he appeals it. So he, he tries his first trick. I'll appeal it. That doesn't work. April 2nd. They're like, yeah, man, you're going to prison. He's like, damn it. Now, at this point, he's out on bail. Mm-hmm. The bail amount is he's out on $750,000 
bond. Uh-huh. So that's normally enough to keep a person homebound. Not David Hampton Butler Sr. No, he's got $2 million floating around And he cash. can fly planes. He likes to get international with it. So when the U.S. Marshals show up at the Butler home... There is no David Hampton Butler Sr. there. Now, Junior is like going, hey, I'm about to go to prison myself. So you guys, <laughs> you guys looking for me? They're like, no, no, Can not you. Can you give me a ride your carpool? Yeah. So David Hampton Butler Sr. is gone. He has kidnapped himself. Now, he, <laughs> but he left no ransom notes. He's just, yeah, just gone, gone, right? So the seven years on the bench that the judge, William Cato Jr., another junior, had been on, he had never once seen a single person do anything like this. So he's stunned. And he basically tells the bail bondsman, I don't care. This is on you, man. So he just skips. You're out $750,000 unless you can find this guy. You got till he basically goes until I reconvene court. So like Thursday, right? And the guy's like, what are you talking about? So federal court gets reconvened. No David Butler Sr. The bail bondsman shows up and he's like, I got some bad news for you, Judge. Uh... Judge's like, are you for real right now? He really didn't show up? He's like, well, he called me. He's like, what do you mean he called me? He called me last night and he said, hey, man, I'm sorry about what's going down. And he promised me, look, I'm out of the country right now, but I will come back as soon as I can. Just got to make a little money. The judge is like, are you are you telling me the truth? This is really what he did. He's like, I swear to God, he called me last night. He's like, okay, man, you're out your money. So yeah. I don't have to tell yeah. you. Sends out the U.S. Marshals. They scour the nation. They call up the Royal Canadian Mounted Police. They check the Great White North. Everybody's looking. The U.S. Virgin Islands, Puerto Rico, the Bahamas, anybody who could possibly be looking under U.S. law or an alliance agreement is looking for this dude. Uh Nothing. 900 hours of U.S. Marshal deputies' time is spent. Absolutely nothing. The bail bondsman has to show back up, and he's like, um, your honor, this is really hurting me. He's like, look, man, I don't know what to tell you. So the bail bondsman, he's like, puts out a reward of his own. $50,000 for any information leading to his arrest. Nothing. This dude has kidnapped himself in a way that his son should have paid attention. Yeah. Now, turns out in January 1986, though, he makes one little mistake. He gets arrested in Vancouver by some Canadian cops on some nonsense. The local cops are about to release him when they run his identity, and it turns out he is not going by Craig Beasy at the time. So the U.S. assistant attorney, who happens to be scanning the reports for the North American, like, justice system, sees this name go by. He then spends 16 hours on the phone over his weekend trying to get the Canadian cops not to release this guy before he can get U.S. Marshals there. The Canadian cops are like, oh, man, really? Okay, at lunch, we're going to release him. They're like, no, no, a little longer. Okay, at, at dinner, because then we got a new shift, and I don't yeah. want to have to tell Bob about this. And they're like, could you just hold him till the U.S. Marshals get there? Okay, man, but if tea time, he's not... <laughs> What so, name was he using there? Bergeezers or whatever? Oh, no, he wasn't using Beezy. He's going by David Hampton Butler Sr. Okay, at that time. So that's why he gets senior. popped, right? And oh, his name okay. comes through. And then, so I go by, like, you know, the fax machines or whatever. Yeah. So David Hampton Butler Jr.'s tricks finally fail him, and he is caught and returned to justice, handed over to the U.S. Marshals, and uh, boom, he's going to have to now spend 25 years in prison. His son must have finally been pleased to see his dad face justice, right? right? Now, during his 'er ne'er-do-well friend Joe Hickey's doomed trial, Uh his son actually did speak to his relationship with his father. And David Hampton Butler Jr. spoke very candidly. And I quote, he said, He has never really been the kind of father I wanted. I had suspicions about his business, but he would never really tell me about it. I couldn't understand why he was doing what he was doing, endangering his family. So this Aww. poor, confused kid, right? So that's why he decided, you know what? I'm going to extort him for $2 million because 
he doesn't pay enough attention. So anyway, to teach his dad a lesson, he does this and they both learn lessons. And yeah. after one year, he's free. And after 25 years, his dad looks to be free. <laughs> now, this whole story, as you pointed out, is basically like a Disney Channel movie written by Harmony Corrin and directed by, I don't know, the Safdie brothers. It's pretty much an insane family it's tale totally that crazy. would only happen in Florida. It's yeah. Uncut Gems meets Spring Breakers. <laughs> So, Elizabeth, what's our ridiculous takeaway here? Oh, heavens. (laughs) I'm taking away a lot today. (laughs) Taking away... Your bags are loaded. I see that. I thought you were just packed and ready to go. Yeah, and you'd think that Are you kidnapping yourself? What are you doing over there? I am. I have a bale of green hay. What's with the scissors and all the magazine letters? (laughs) I've got a little typewriter. (laughs) Tip, tip, tip. Uh, My takeaway is that, you know, go get family counseling. Don't do this (laughs) self abductions. Right? That I mean, was just doomed from the get-go. Because honestly, he gets $2 million from his dad. Let's say it all went off. Then what? He goes back and he's still dating the gal, the, the jazzercise teacher? And what, he just has teacher, $2 million yeah. hanging around now? Well, I, I imagine they were going to probably go somewhere else, open a nice gelato business in the Bahamas <laughs> or whatever. You know, they had plans, dreams, yeah, really. Maybe yeah. a jazzercise studio and gelato factory. I don't think they thought everything Combine them, <laughs> put their dreams together. <laughs> For me, Elizabeth, and thank you for asking. <laughs> I don't want to know. <laughs> I think the ridiculous takeaway is that I'm a Zarin Walter Burnett III. Uh-huh. I understand what it's like to be named after your father, and it can be weird trying to create your own identity. Yeah. But I think the point is to focus on not that and actually focus on the other part, which is you never fully know anyone. That's very right? true. Like, you, not even your own father or mother. People, your sister, your brother, people you think you know really well. Everyone has secrets, and they have sides of themselves. They don't show anyone. And sometimes their secret is that they're an undercover FBI informant. You know, like, you don't know what the secret is. It could be huge. But my point is, is leave some room for the unexpected. Just like, you know, there's always something you don't know, and be cool with that. Exactly. The not knowing is pretty cool. Yeah, we love that. I do. (laughs) (laughs) Who knows? Whatever. I know nothing, so it's awesome. (laughs) Well, thank you for joining us. I am Elizabeth Dutton, and over there, that's Zarin Burnett. The third. (laughs) You can find us online at Ridiculous Crime on both Twitter and Instagram. You got a tip for us about a ridiculous crime you'd like to hear about? Hit us up. You want to confess to a ridiculous crime? We do not recommend it. But please do (laughs) do. hit us up. I recommend it. Elizabeth loves them. Email us at ridiculouscrime at gmail.com. Ridiculous Crime is hosted by Elizabeth Dutton and Zarin Burnett. Produced and edited by Cocaine Cowboys preferred travel agent Dave Couston. Research is by fake kidnapping expert and pretend bank robbery enthusiast Marissa Brown. The theme song is by Thomas Jane Fonda's biggest fan Lee and Travis, a more of a jazzercise aficionado, Dutton. Executive producers are Ben, officer, that is not my cocaine, Bolin, and Noel, yes, that is also not my cocaine, Brown. Ridiculous Crime. Say it one more time. Ridiculous Crime. Ridiculous Crime is a production of iHeartRadio. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app. Apple Podcasts are wherever you listen to your favorite shows. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts, if you dare. It is 
is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino at chumbacasino.com. Choose from hundreds of social casino-style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. VGW Void were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime. Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. Live Nation presents Concert Week. Now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Dirk Bentley, Fade, Hootie and the Blowfish, Janet Jackson, Kids Bop Kids, Megan Trainor, Bissell Pluma, Sarah McLaughlin. Get tickets to more than 5,000 summer shows for just $25. Until now through May 14th. Visit LiveNation.com slash Concert to learn more and plan your summer with Sean Paul, Sum 41, 30 Seconds to Mars, oh, and Two Door Cinema Club.